You are listening to the Startup Mindsets podcast, a podcast dedicated to uncovering how mindsets are built from fascinating startup entrepreneurs, innovation leaders, and investors. This podcast will give you a blueprint to thrive in an innovation-driven and globally connected world. I'm your host, Dan Gonzalez, joined by Earl Valencia. Join us to learn about amazing people and their journeys to discover their own startup mindsets, and in the process, hopefully also discover yours. Here we go. Tingwei Wong is currently at Amazon Web Services, and she has a great history of creating innovation in large corporations. So welcome to Sir Mindsets, Tingwei. Yeah, and I guess just some background. This is Earl for the listeners. Uh, you know, Tingwei and I actually know each other for almost close to 20 years already. Um, in our, I guess, in our early 20s, uh, we were at Cornell Graduate, graduate School together. Um, not knowing, I guess, where paths would cross. And, you know, I guess it's just very interesting to see how Tingwei or during Cornell days, we call her TW, right? <laughs> um, you know, uh, see now as, you know, being one of the leaders, I guess, in the intersection really of, you know, uh, semiconductors, technology, cloud computing, and artificial intelligence. And, you know, just really interesting to see how, you know, your career progressed, uh, Tingwei, and uh, definitely proud to see all your accomplishments here. Thank you. Thank you, Earl. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, for sure. Um, love to learn a little bit about uh, your time with Intel, but maybe uh, backtracking a little bit prior to Intel. So you got your MBA from INSEAD? <clears throat> yes, I got my MBA from INSEAD back in, uh, back in 2010, so during the financial crisis. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> it was actually one of the reasons that uh, driven me to um, get the MBA because I really, um, before MBA, I was uh, actually trained as an engineer and work at the um, a semiconductor design, chip design company as an engineer. And I think during the financial crisis, I got really, really interested to trying to understand how the business world work. And I choose to go to INSEAD, uh, which is a global business school, um, take place in France and Singapore. And uh, because I also one really wanted to understand how business work um, outside of the United States. So um, it was a great experience. I was able to meet a bunch of um, very, very interesting people from all over the world. Um, and uh, that kind of jumpstart my um, career in you know, running sort of business at the large company. Yeah, let's uh, try to unpack that for a second. So um, I guess you started your career or you, your real startup life within big corporations began at Intel. Um, yes. Yes. So I, after MBA, I joined Intel um, as one of their um, kind of leadership acceleration rotation program. Mm. And uh, in that program, I was able to try out different uh, job functions at the company. So I, at the time, I was mainly focusing in sales and marketing. Um, I also did uh, uh, spend a short time at Intel Capital, which is the venture capital arms of Intel. Um, so I was as, um, acting as the uh, investor and um, interviewing and talking to startups and investing in startups. And, um, but through that experience, it became clear to me that I am more of an entrepreneur than an investor. I have a lot more, I take a lot more joy in building business and building teams than 
um, investing and quote unquote taking advantage of entrepreneurs. So, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I um, so I decided out of the rotation program to join a uh, startup business unit at Intel, where I would be building and launching a new product line. That's awesome. Um, how did I mean? I'm just wondering how does Intel, you know, a big public company, go about just in innovation and technology. I mean, and how did you like perceive that when you were there? Like, is it um, a structured approach? And I know that innovation is more experimental. Like how does a big corporation like Intel or AWS manage that uh, uh, world? And how did you go about it? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's very different in different company, of course. Um, and I think uh, for a company like, um, like Intel, where uh, there's a lot of capital investment into new products. So every kind of new products or new business is we're talking about um, if it's like a chip type of product, it's hundreds of millions of dollars of capital investments, about budget investment up front that you have to put in, you have to plan for. And therefore, um, it, the, the, the process of approving certain projects um, or um, getting and and at every stage, I think it's a lot more um, uh, stringent, and there's a lot more review, a lot more uh, T's and I's that you have to cross, and um, also a lot more planning efforts that put in place, and a lot more kind of forward-looking um, portfolio planning. Hey, if we do this, and how do what does it mean to other project that is also ongoing? Um, how do we compare different projects that whether we want to invest in um, this one or that one? So um, at Intel, we um, constantly, I think, at least in the business unit that I, I used to belong to, we constantly has a long list of hundreds of projects um, on priority list um, that's ongoing or planned or, or proposed to get started. And then there's um, tens of kind of metrics for you to measure, um, like record, grade all these projects. And then you go through kind of models and a lot of discussions to, to decide um, which project would go forward or we would invest in um, for the next round and so on and so forth. So um, it's a much more meticulous process, I would say. I think... Um, as I moved to Amazon, I, of course, um, witnessed a very different kind of um, mentalities and, and as well. Um, I think I personally feel um, Amazon itself is just a giant startup. And mm -hmm. I think the company um, instilled its employee um, very successfully a kind of startup mindset or what they would call, uh, we would call the day one mindset. And mm. you can Google what Jeff Bezos means, the day one mentality means at Amazon. And, um, and uh, we interview and we, we pick people that way. Um, we pick people with the kind of customer obsessions and day one mindset. And we train people, we operate that way as well. Um, um, and also because, um, so, so it's, uh, Amazon is really a place that really encourages innovation and uh, anybody can go and write a document. If you have an idea, you can write a document about it and you can propose it, um, and you will get review. 
and uh, if it's something that um, people feel that we have conviction on, then we would go and execute it. And once Amazon decided to do something, I think um, compared to a lot of large company that I've seen, um, it has um, a lot of convictions to see it through. And um, even though it, it, it may um, show sign of not necessarily become a super successful project. So one of the example that um, Bezo likes to uh, mention or have mentioned before was um, the fire uh, phone example. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, Amazon spend a lot of investments and invest in creating phone business and hence launched a fire phone. Yeah, and, yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and it wasn't, it turned out not um, being successful, but the experience and the, the expertise that the team has built um, then, uh, you know, roll over into contribute to the later on success in the Fire TV, the Fire, um, other Fire devices, the tablet devices, and 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 even today the you know most popular smart speaker their Alexa mm -hmm. devices. Yeah, I have one at home. <laughs> to <us>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think is that kind of um, um, not just tolerance for failure, but also um ability ability to learn from the failures and um so it can contribute to the future success and i think that's really um essential for for amazon yeah i guess thing way i i think some of our um our, our listeners here are, are kind of always also in the middle and even asking us some questions which is do i become an entrepreneur or do i become and spin out as an entrepreneur What's your advice to them? Just because this is literally a constant question, especially for you know people who have a, a startup mindset, right? Uh, you know, I'm also before I was an on, an entrepreneur, and I love building business inside. Now, obviously, I'm also an entrepreneur. But uh, what's your take on this? Uh, especially within this, probably multiple times throughout your career mm -hmm. with a lot of success, right? Uh, mm -hmm. What's your advice to these people that are grappling with this question? Um, I think partially, um, I mean, I'm a very realistic person, so um, you nice. have to yeah. you have to think about what is the risk portfolio of your life is. It is partially a life. It's a it's a lifestyle choice, mm -hmm. honestly. Right at the end of the day, and um, um, I I I've always drawn to um, entrepreneurial projects, um, and I was. I thought about, you know, starting my own company and, and hit it big and all that as well. Um, part of the reason, honestly, I, I, I choose to do it in the, within the big company is um, because my husband is an entrepreneur. And oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's already taking a lot of risk. Um, and, uh, someone in the households needs to have health insurance, right? So, so, <laughs> so I choose to stay in a big company. And also, um, with that, I get to exercise my entrepreneurial muscles within the mm, safety net mm. of the big company. Um, so I think the other thing that I really like about being an entrepreneur is, um, the impact um, of, yeah. so, um, if your project is successful, so, um, especially with large companies like Intel and Amazon, um, for any startup program, 
um, we're looking at one day become a hundreds million dollars and or a billion dollar business um, you know in a few years so and you whatever you launch could have the potential of touching everyone in the world and especially mm. in the place that I'm working cloud computing and artificial intelligence these are very very pervasive technology that almost everybody touch on so i i i'm very um it's very satisfying for me to be able to say hey um or be able to tell my kids that um whatever the technology that mommy's working on um is powering this robot that you see is powering mm. the self-driving cars that you see we will see you know on the streets it's powering um the disney plus uh, tv <laughs> program oh, yeah. that you're seeing <laughs> you're streaming your video um on so so it's uh it's, it's just a satisfying of that and i think that could probably trace back to um my uh kind of the, the, the original uh, desire when I was an engineer was when you're an engineer, the most satisfying thing is to see people using what you developed. And um, when I work at uh, being working at a big company, I have a much higher chance to be able to see, you know, people seeing the things that I developed or I foster, I built. Yeah, that's really awesome. Uh, I think what I'd be curious about was uh, when you were at Intel and how you mentioned that you were doing investments for them. Mm -hmm. um, is that so? So for I guess the corporate venture capital structure, is it more of a just invest in a startup that would complement Intel's direct business, or is it more about like try to generate monetary return at the same time? And how did you, uh, or how did Intel or you, um, just go about that innovation process and trying to uh, find invest source investments for that? Um. I think it, yes. So when you're a corporate venture, you do um, tend to um, look for startups that are doing business that will complement your um, whatever the, the the company's core business. Um, and the um, the but I think uh, we also look a lot into the financial returns as well. So it needs to be, I think the first checkbox, the must have is it needs to be a solid investment opportunity to begin with. And the second checkbox is it needs to be a startup that complements um, in some way the, the, the business units, what we called. And a lot of time um, we actually take leads from the business unit um, say, you know, we are doing our business and we would like to partner with certain startups and um, this startup seems to be have really good potential or we, you know, we actually take leads from the business unit that refer us, hey, we are, we bump into the startup. They seem to be very, have very good potential. Uh, maybe Intel can invest in them and help them grow to the next stage. And at the same time, they can, we can, you know, strengthen and have some partnership um, with Intel right. um, in, in different forms. Is, is there like a thin line between doing a merger and acquisition versus just a regular investment into the startup? Or would you say that there's a big difference, like there's a noticeable difference? There is. Um, so typically the M&A um, 
uh, considerations and the equity investments are are very different but um, it is possible and I've seen it uh, more and more is um, there could be an M&A target but um, since the comp the big company is not sure so we start with equity investment huh. um, and to say hey for example your technology is still in early stage um, so we want to see more um, very, uh, very you know evidence of this is a good technology or you have customer traction before we we want to acquire um, and sometimes um, Intel does you know start by taking an equity stake and um, um, invest in a company so we can help the company prove its technology to the next to the next level and when it's more uh, mature then um, Intel and the time is right then Intel may go ahead and and um, uh, acquire um, most of the time though it is not necessary that Intel reach out as you say I, I don't think it's very often or I have ever seen that Intel say I'm gonna go acquire a certain company it's more likely the like the entrepreneur will also have to um, say hey I'm ready to sell mm. as well yeah, mm. no, I yeah it's not I, yeah, it's it not sense. so much is uh, when we we typically don't also don't do um, kind of equity investment with an M&A as an angle in, okay. in mind because um, it's just some deals happens to be that way, but that's not a norm. It's, I would say it's a very um, rare instance. Gotcha. Yeah. I love that. How you uh, clear that up. I always wondered about like uh, all these big venture arms. Do they want to buy up these businesses eventually? So yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's usually not. And if it is, it's usually different. There are different strategies um, going on. And I think for big company, there's there are different um, equity investments and M&A strategies that um, uh -huh. um, that's typically very unique to each use cases and the domain that they're operating. Cool. So I guess we, um, you know, after I guess a little bit of a break, we want to switch gears a little bit, uh, Tingwei, on kind of your history. Uh, I guess, you know, it's rare to find someone who is, you know, uh, entrepreneurial and, and wants to build things from scratch and impact millions of people, as you mentioned. I mean, just to just the mere fact that you find joy in explaining to your kids that, you know, mom, you know, help build some of this infrastructure for Disney Plus, like that is not normal, right? Like a normal and normal company person, like they're like, just go to work nine to five, come back home, check out, come back to work again. But you seem to be very different. So we'd love to dive a little bit later uh, on what, where did that come from, right? Uh, and, and we're super curious on that. So I guess uh, we'll come back, right? Yeah, Ting Wei. Um, uh, you know, as I mentioned a while ago, it's very rare to find someone who, you know, uh, is inside of large companies, but then extremely entrepreneurial and has this kind of, you know, builder mentality, which is, you know, literally taking things from scratch. You know, most people, they want to go to work, um, you know, nine to five and check out when they come back home, right? And then come back again to work. But where did this come from? Like this, this fire inside of you of, of building and scaling things to, you know, large scale, right? I mean, wh where did that come from? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think um, we, I probably trace it back to my father, um, who mm. is still at the age of 75 today, is still an entrepreneur and not retired yet. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, back in Taiwan. Um, so he had, um, took a risk in his, um, I think, late 30s, early 40s, um, to leave a, uh, to, you know, established um, career as a engineering consultant um, to jump into a startup um, uh, in the 90s for um, internet, to build internet infrastructures. So, um, of course, uh, it turned out to be a success because internet turned out to be a big thing. So, <laughs> um, but what he had um, taught me from an early age was the satisfactions of um, um, working for yourself um, and uh, being able to create jobs for other people um, is tremendously um, um, satisfactory and is a different level of joy um, versus um, working for other people um, per se. So um, he always encouraged me to start my own business, to be entrepreneurial. Um, I ended up um, uh, right now doing um, entrepreneurial pursuit in big companies um, because of kind of the risk profile things I, I mentioned earlier. But I, I always kind of keep in my mind that I want to be working for myself um, and I'm choosing to working on certain jobs because I believe in the the mission. I believe in um, where the the business is going to, and I also um, am proud of doing the things that I'm doing. And I have like a lot of control of what I'm doing. I would say is um, one thing I love about doing kind of a um, entrepreneurial. Um, kind of being an entrepreneur is um, I have the I have the flexibility um, I, I tend to have bigger ownership um, versus and and um, versus you know kind of uh, other other job functions in the big companies and um, I have more freedom to try new things as well since um, it's a startup business so mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it comes with high risk, right? So we, I tend to be given more freedom to try doing things differently and not necessarily have to follow the playbook of how things typically is done in a company. Um, and uh, that um, get me to exercise some of my creativity muscles. And um, I, I, I really enjoy that as well. Um, and I also have the safety net of the big company mm -hmm. that, you know, if the project fail, I wouldn't <laughs> become broke, <laughs> you know, yeah, worst, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. so worst case, I would, um, you know, kind of the project fail and I move on to a different project. And if I do a good job, then people recognize, you know, my abilities and my track records and they would mm -hmm. um, love to um, put me on a different startup project. And that is kind of the reason that I was able to do multiple projects at Intel um, again and again. Um, um, some became very successful. Some actually didn't pan out, 
but mm. um, people recognize what I could uh, what I could do, and they're happy to um, put me on the, uh, another projects. Yeah. The downside is, though, compared to owning truly owning your own company, is <laughs> you're not taking equity stake in the project that you work on, right? So you not necessarily get that, you know, hundred times or thousand times of returns um, that the true entrepreneurs would have um, uh, have the opportunity to. I, I was mm. curious about. Um, so you work at the intersection of AI and cloud computing right now, or is yeah. that, for somebody who doesn't quite understand cloud computing and AI, like what is that? Uh, world, um, I guess, uh, <laughs> Amazon. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, for I, I think most people by now should probably understand um, the cloud computing efforts. Um, um, it's like to to outsource. So basically, um, before cloud computing, uh, each enterprise typically has to build their own. Um, IT branch, their own IT department and IT branch, um, and built their own data center. And with the rise of cloud computing, you could outsource that effort um, to other company, such as um, Amazon Web Service or Microsoft or Google Cloud. And um, these are kind of the big ones. And and with that, then you get to kind of write off your IT, not, not completely write off, but you get to like make your IT operation more efficient by like outsourcing to other um, uh, companies um, become kind of an expenditure. Now, the challenge for the big company, the, the cloud company, service providers, so the promise is to provide a IT infrastructure that is always on, that is um, secure and uh, reliable, um, which um, was a huge challenge uh, when it started. It needed to be a huge challenge. I mean, imagine now um, most of your, almost most of your mobile apps, most of the key um, uh, application now is, is hosting on a cloud infrastructure so like just yeah. take zoom for example that we're using right now is hosting on the cloud infrastructure so when the pandemic hits and the zoom utilization usage suddenly spike um if it was being if it if zoom were hosted on a private infrastructure like it was in our you know before cloud then there's no way that the, the site would would down okay. would go down like there's no way that it could expand um, the sudden spike so it would be a it could build out mm -hmm. infrastructure that fast and could uh, withstand the sudden spike of usage so the benefit of moving this um, IT operations um, offloaded or partial offloaded to a public cloud infrastructure is that so you can take advantage of the flexibility elasticity of you know you can just pay as you go or use as much as you you pay for and and um um in in the cloud sure yeah no i think that's uh you know uh, that's yeah. why it's really amazing that the you know your career revolved in some of these game-changing uh technologies thing yeah. way and uh you know uh, definitely yeah. exciting stuff. Um, yeah, we only have a few minutes uh, now uh, and would love to dive in kind of just talking about the two major things, right? Like one is, um, you know, what is, if you had to uh, summarize 
your own startup mindset, right? Like what would that statement be? And the follow-up question to that is, you know, um, if you're going to talk yourself to your 20-year-old self, uh, kind of, you know, right after undergrad or before grad school, um, you know, what advice would you give her uh, to discover uh, her own version of a startup mindset? I think the most important thing um, in the startup mindset is is customer obsession. Mm-hmm. And I think this is especially important for startups, whether you are startups in a large company or your startup on its own, um, because to secure that early customer um, is the most important things to make sure you're on the right track is the most um, like important metrics for you to show that um, mm-hmm. you you know, to show your investors um, or your, your, your upper management, your upper managements that this is the project, you know, to continue to invest in. So um, being able to really listen to your customer, these early customers that are willing to take the risk with you, Mm. um, these early adopters, really listen to them and understand where their pain points are and um, tweak your product and do kind of rapid iterations of your products to, to, to really help them solve their problem, um, I think it's, the, it's, it's very key. And even when the customers come back with some feedback that probably contradicted to your original vision, and you kind of just have to, to, to be really open-minded and willing to listen and change yeah, yeah. Um, for your customer. And I think this is the obsessions that I'm, I'm talking about. And I, I, I really um, see this going on um, at Amazon um, uh, more than anywhere else that um, it's through the bones. Like when um, customer submitted, you know, have issues with the, the tools that are using on AWS um, we have uncle engineers to jump in and help customers solve the issues and respond. And this is a promise that we um, provide to customers. And um, it's uh, I I and it's down to um, not just the support engineers, but all the way up to the VPs, our, our monitors, mm. and and being um, evaluated based on these metrics of you know customer satisfactories or or the issue response rate or even cutting down the error rate of you know um, customers using our products. And we're just constantly thinking about how can we improve. Um, the product to make the customer experience more uh, smooth, more seamless, to help customers save cost and all that stuff. So um, the the customer obsession, I think, is, mm-hmm. is definitely key. Yeah, that's, um, uh, that's great. What would I tell the twenty year my twenty year old self? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think. Um, life is long <laughs> no that makes sense that's a good that, that's, a, that's true <laughs> so um so i think at uh at 20 years old um some people may have um a particular idea of what you would become um or, or what you want to do and um i would say is um think of yourself as a product and iterate it, mm, right? Mm. And um, think of yourself as um, something that, you know, 
things will come along the way, opportunities will come along the way, and um, uh, the, the, the environments will change, you know, whether it is the economic environments or technology environments, and you will meet different peoples, and you'll learn different things that will change your belief. And when things happen that, you know, that doesn't go the, the, the original ways that you, you would like it to be or you would like it to go, um, then you have to pivot and mm. find a different way out. And, um, and that may be the best things that ever happened to you, um, you know, when you do that pivot. And that may open different doors to um, new opportunities that you never thought about. So um, I would say, you know, it's good to have a vision and idea of what you want to become at 20 year old, but also it's very important just like thinking of yourself as a product or as uh, yourself as a startup, <clears throat> open to the signals, like what the world is telling you mm-hmm. and, and using those signals to to constantly uh, reinvent yourself and and tweak your directions. And um, each person will, at the end of the day, um, become a distinct self and have a very distinct path. Um, You don't need to compare yourself with other people. Um, You're your own kind of distinct product. I love it. I love it. Um, Yeah, we only have like uh, literally a few minutes. uh, Tingwei. Dan, any, any final comments, reactions? Yeah, yeah, it was like really beautifully put. I mean, I'm only 25, so that advice makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I think you know, I mean, you know, I who was it telling to uh, last time where I think, you know, if we are the product, we're always trying to find product market fit, right? So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just to put it there, where uh, just your insights, I guess, today, Tingwei on entrepreneurship entrepreneurship you know your your time uh you know living with an entrepreneur and you know and just uh, all the insight and product knowledge to build out these you know large-scale products uh amazing for you to have it uh, as our guest here in our our show so Last question. uh yep, so, yep. book question right like what what's a book or i guess a- oh yeah that's right yeah maybe last one uh, before mm-hmm. we go What's your book, podcast, blog that you would recommend our uh, our listeners to? I really like this uh, this old um, this classic um, from Dale Carnegie. Um, oh, how to win friends and influence yeah, people. How to win yeah. Friends. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's one of my sure. classic um, go to reread um, book mm, of all time, mm. and. Um, Yeah, and I think more practically, I more practically, I recently have very high appreciation. Most recently, I have very high appreciation of um, just the 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 Amazon's uh, leadership principles. Mm. So it's not mm. so much books, but there are plenty of materials that you can look at. And um, you can search online. There are plenty of talks that um, Jay Beso himself have done, or other folks that you know Amazon folks has done on YouTube that you can look on. Um, but the Twelve Leadership Principle, I think, it really put the company in kind of a very startup-like mindset. Yeah. Um, for the entire company, 
and um, and that is probably one of the reasons that a lot of ex-Amazonian was able to um, leave Amazon and start very successful startups themselves. Mm. Um, so some of the leadership principles such as, you know, being frugal, um, always yeah. day one, um, and uh, being customer obsessed, um, mm. being biased to actions, and, um, you know, all that, I think, it are really, really good guidance um for entrepreneurs or anybody who wants to um considering starting uh, running a business perfect well uh Tingwei, thank you so much for your time here and uh we learned a lot today so i really appreciate your time that does it for another episode of startup mindsets podcast if you like what you heard follow us on instagram at startup mindsets podcast and you can also check us out on linkedin you have if you have any questions comments or feedback from this we'd love to hear it so just shoot us an email at startupmindsets at gmail.com stay safe and thanks for listening